Now for my song. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Ryan. That's awesome. Uh, I want to show you something cool, I think. I, I, to me, I think this is very cool. As we think about uh, listening to the Christmas stories each, each week, I want you to hear part of the Christmas story uh, as it's being told among the Aita. The Aita are a people group in the, in the Philippines, uh, kind of a remote area. And so we've been working on a translation project. Earlier in the year, we raised about $10,000 to help this project get going. So I want you to hear a little bit of the Christmas story as it's being translated and as the people today are listening and, and worshiping, kind of hearing the Christmas story in their own heart language. So just watch this real quick. Pamakayarin nagsabi ng angyan, tambong nagpakita malaki angyan sa langit, ya niya awyun ng ulimun kan bapan na mariyan. Si sinabila, Ulimunan si Bapa na Mariyari ya idi sa katatagayan. Buidilagan kapatid, bukan niya manitawi kapapaidukana ya idi sa baburuta. So what you're hearing is from Luke, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let's, let's pray for the Aita. Let's pray as they're, they're worshiping and, and listening uh, to, to the scriptures in their own heart language. We'll pray for ourselves as we'll listen in our own heart language. Lord, we, we thank you for all that you've allowed us to be a part of such a cool thing, and, and we're thankful for these people, the stories we keep hearing of people who are hearing uh, the good news in their own language and the, the way that their hearts are erupting with joy, uh, uh, much like this passage, as they're beginning to give glory to you and experiencing uh, your favor. We just pray your continued blessing on Roger and his team and all that are working there. Uh, we pray as well for the manga in Northern Africa, who we are also doing a, a, a similar project in a, 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 a church plant and all the things that are happening from, from no Christians now to hundreds, even in the midst of severe persecution. We're, we're so thankful for all that's happening. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, these projects, uh, that they would continue to have progress. But now as we listen in our heart language, uh, we pray that you would speak uh, that you would speak deeply into our lives. That you would help us understand because you're with us. There are ways in which we can draw near to you. We can let go of things that bring us harm and embrace the things that give us life. We pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to take you to 1969. I want you to think about uh, Apollo 11. And you might remember Apollo 11 is, is, is uh, the first space flight that landed the first humans on the moon. Uh, Americans Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin uh, were the first in that time to, to step on a lunar surface. And Armstrong went first. He had spent two and a half hours outside the spacecraft and then Aldrin joined him. And they, while they were there, they, they, were collect, they collected about 47 uh, pounds of lunar material. But I don't know if we've ever thought about what it would be like to be the third member of that team, Michael Collins. Now, Collins had to pilot the spacecraft around the moon while they were doing this. And I don't know if you've ever thought of what it would be like to be utterly alone in a spacecraft on the back of the moon. And Collins talked about that, how, how uh, significant the feeling of solitude was, particularly as he got to the backside of the moon and lost all radio contact uh, and, and how alone he felt. And he he's described it this way. He says, I'm it. If a count were taken, the score would be three billion plus two on the other side of the moon and one on this side. He was truly alone 
absolutely isolated from all other known life at that time. Imagine what that would feel like. Uh, My sense is some of you have felt those feelings before. You have felt completely distant from people. You felt completely alone at times. Uh, There's been the sense that that you were in it all by yourself. And And I know that that's a rather painful place to be. In fact, some of you have felt that way with God. That he feels completely remote, distance. It's almost like looking at a planet far, far away. And you're kind of looking at this thinking, uh, that the sense that I, how am I supposed to know this God? Every prayer I pray feels like it just keeps traveling and it will never make it to where God resides. I love the story that author Anne Lamont tells about her son. And uh, she heard her son uh, crying in bed one night. She put him to bed and, and she could hear him crying from her room. And so... Uh, you know, as mothers do, she rushed into the room. She wanted to bring comfort to him, and he's crying. And he began to share. He's like, I don't want to be alone in the dark. And, and knowing that she had a, a big meeting, she knew what was going to be asked next. And any of you parents know what request is going to come. I don't want to be alone. Sleep in here with me. And you know, parents, right, as comforting as that is to a child to snug your body into that little race car bed or whatever it is, it is going to be the most miserable night of sleep for you. And, and, and while it might bring comfort to your child, it'll bring absolute discomfort to, to you and to your body. And so she knew she had this huge meeting the next day and she knew she needed to get a good night's sleep. And so she tried to, as we all do, comfort her child with these words. You're not alone. God is always with you. And she said her son's sobs turned to outright crying. And she said between the tears he wailed, but I need somebody with skin on. (laughs) And that's how we feel, don't we? And that's what Christmas is. That we, we need someone, we need a God with skin on. And this is the beauty of the Christmas story is that when we enter into this Christmas story, we begin to see this wonderful description of a God who is with us. And this is what I want us to see today. I want to give you what's called our big idea. It's a, a sermon in the sentence. And, and if you want to write this down, I, I, want you, I want to invite you to not just believe in something, but respond to it. And so here's our big idea. What we're going to see today is that God is with us. Christmas reminds us that God is with us. And we want to look at what that really is about. But since he's with us, let us choose to be with him. Let us be with him. He's with us. Let us be with him. And so if you can remember one thing, try to just remember that one line. Uh, And as we think of this, what I want to invite you to is the story of Joseph learning about uh, Jesus coming. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1. And we're going to read verses 18 to 25. And uh, it's page 966, the Bibles that are in front of you. If you want to follow along, I'm going to have it here on the screen to help you as well. But in this passage, we're going to focus on really one line of description in there. And then we're going to look at some other verses that will help us kind of see that one line uh, come to life maybe a little bit more. But we're doing, uh, during this, this season, a series called come home or come home for Christmas. And, and the reason why is, you guys know this, right? At Christmas time, many of us have to travel and go be with family and we, we go home during Christmas time uh, in one way or another. And it's kind of, we, we kind of get that as people, as kind of culture. 
But, but Christmas, really, when we step back and see it for all it is, it really it, it helps tell the God story. Uh, the, the great God story is that God wants a people. He wants a family, and we're that. And so what we see at Christmas is the tremendous initiative God takes, the tremendous lengths and, and price that God would pay to bring us home that we see from the very beginning of creation all the way through the story until the very end that we are meant to dwell with God. We are meant to be with God forever. And so as we, when we begin to see this, then we begin to hear the whisper at Christmas, come home, come home. And so I want us to see this in some, some unique ways today. I think it's great for us, especially on a day where we talk about child dedications. It's so important for us to think of this as, as parents, how important it is to help our kids understand that God is with them. Because the temptation is behavior modification. We got to get our kids to behave right for God. If we can get them to do the right things for God, God will be pleased with them. But I, I hope maybe you even captured that from those prayers, and I hope you'll capture it from the scriptures, that what you heard in the prayers of these parents really, I think, is the prayers of any parent. And it really is the prayer and longing of our heart is that we want to know God. We don't want to just go through behaviors and duties to please God and earn his favor We want to recognize that we are objects of favor. And because of that, he has drawn near to us. And because he's drawn near to us, he invites us to draw near to him. So let's read this story. And uh, I want us to focus in on the idea of Emmanuel. Verse 18 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, two things I want us to see today. The first is this, is that this passage, this idea of Emmanuel helps us understand that God is not a distant God, but that he is here with us. He is here with us. One of the important things for us to to focus on in this passage is this phrase Emmanuel, this name Emmanuel, which means as we see God with us, that in Jesus, what we see is that God is with us. And when we, we begin to think of how amazing this is, if, as you look at that child, you have to understand, if you think of the great God's story, you realize God has always wanted to create this sense of, of being with uh, his people. But this is such a dramatic change in what they had experienced to this point. To help you, maybe, maybe to illustrate this a little, I want to take you back into the story and think from the very beginning. God called the people and his people began to build. And as they uh, uh, grew, they were taken into Egypt, into slavery. 
And in this in slavery, God rescues them. And the story is called the Exodus. It means that the kind of the rescue out of slavery. And, and God began to lead his people out of this rescue moment. And he get, there was a journey that they went on as they went on this journey to lead them into the promised land. But God did something very fascinating in that time. He again and again began to reveal his presence with them. And so as they traveled, whether it was a, a cloud by day or a pillar of fire by night, there was this, always the sense that God was with them. But one of the things that was so interesting was that God invited uh, the people to build for him a tent or what they called a, a, a tabernacle, a, a tent to dwell in. And so they would set this up. They'd set this tent of dwelling up and this would help them understand that his presence was with them. So in Exodus 25, we read this. He says, uh, let them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. And this sanctuary was called the tabernacle. Uh, in some ways, it's kind of like what we do every week at Huntington. They, you know, they were driving in the desert. They had their pickup truck with a trailer and they, all their guys would take the stuff out and said, they didn't drive. Okay. But the camels, but they, they, they moved around from place to place. And as they were moving, they would stop and they would set up this tent, this kind of, kind of like church building uh, that they would set up. And in that place, that was a place in which they would come to meet together. And in this tent of meeting, they would go and, and they would encounter and experience God showing up. In fact, Exodus 40 says it this way, that the cloud covered the tent of meeting. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord had filled the tabernacle. So think about how unique this presence of God is, fire and cloud and, 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 and this, this tent of meeting and God would descend on it. A very, very powerful thing. And yet there's kind of this sense of God still being somewhat veiled to them. But think about this moment. And John describes this moment. One of the gospel writers, John, describes this moment of Jesus coming into the world this way. In John chapter 1, verse 14, he says this, The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Saying we have seen the glory of God. uh, The glory of the one and only son. Who came from the father. Full of grace and truth. John says we were there. Like we saw him. We were with him. We saw the very son of God. We experienced the glory of God. He came and dwelt among us. And that word dwelling. Is the word tabernacle. It means that he came, it's like he set up his tent among us. He came to be with us in that way. He moved in among us. In fact, one, uh, one uh, the, the uh, translation says it this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we saw the glory with our own eyes. See, the people were hoping and praying that God would raise up a savior, raise up someone who would come and and rescue and redeem them. But what they never thought is that it would be God himself, that God himself would enter into the world, that God himself would take on flesh and enter into this world. This was unthinkable. So imagine what it would be like to be Moses coming alongside the shepherds or alongside the, the magi and kind of seeing this moment and saying, no way. This is, do you guys realize how amazing this is? And this is what John's trying to say at the end of the, his life as he's trying to say, we, we were there, we walked, we walked with him. God walked among us, he was with us. He came for us, he came to rescue us, we were there. He is with us. 
He's not distant. He's not far away. In fact, he took on flesh and blood just to show us how with us he is. He moved into the neighborhood. I love this story. Uh, 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 when I think of Emmanuel, I always think of this one story of uh, this guy named Adam Taylor. And, and Adam Taylor with his church, uh, his church was doing this mission trip to Ethiopia and Adam Taylor went with his church. And while he was there, he was, he was uh, walking down the street and a manhole cover popped off the, the street. And all of a sudden, he, as that it, it happened, this little kid popped out and this kid had no shoes on his feet. And so Adam did what we would call, he, he pulled a Brittany Chatham, right? He, he pulled his shoes off his own feet and gave his shoes to the kid. And, and, uh, and so this relationship connected with this little kid. And so what, what happened is this kid invited Adam. He says, come on, come with me. And he entered into uh, the manhole, into that moment, and in down into the sewer. And as he walked into the sewer, what he saw was all these orphaned kids that had taken over the sewer system and made their own little community to live and take care of each other in. And in that moment, Adam knew exactly what God was calling on his life. That it was he, God was calling him to take care of these boys. And so when the trip was over, Adam went back home and he realized God was, it was a, a huge call in his life. He had a six-figure salary. He was doing very well, but he knew very surely what the calling was. He was to go back and to open up a home and to care for those boys. And so that's what he did. And so as he did it, it he, he, he basically he, he moved all his chips in. He was all in on that. He moved over there. He leased out a house, not knowing how he was going to pay for it now that he'd given up his job. But he, he jumped in by faith, believing that was to, to happen. And so one of the cool things that happened was his church at Christmas time put together a catalog. And what, the, what they did is they said, hey, this Christmas, here's a bunch of things that are going on in missions around the world. Why don't you consider instead of Christmas presents, maybe getting behind some of these things? And so what the, their church did, it was so amazing, of all the different things, they, their church raised enough money to pay for this house for an entire year. When Adam heard about it, you can imagine, I mean, it was just tears flooded his eyes that he was able to take care of all these boys now. What was interesting was that story and what in Adam's example, it became this powerful movement inside their church. In fact, they began to use it as a verb. They'd talk about uh, pulling an Adam Taylor, which meant that you would, you would go all in on something you believe God was calling you to do. But what they ultimately came to understand was that Adam had simply pulled a, play, a page out of Jesus's own playbook. He had entered in, he had moved into the neighborhood of those who were hurting and oppressed. He had moved in, down in there and realized that he was called to come and to rescue and so this is what we see in the, in the story. And when we, we gaze into the manger, what we see is a God who would move into the neighborhood, who would enter into our pain and our destruction, and he would come himself to rescue us. God is not distant. He is here with us. And as we begin to think of this, it's, it's important. I, I want you to understand something because sometimes it's it's. My guess is for many of us, it's easiest to sense God is with us when life makes total sense and when life is full of blessings. You can look and you can go, gosh, wow, God is with me. I can just tell, like, look at how much I'm just taken care of. Like, God is just blessing me and he's watching over me. And, and every circumstance seems to point to the idea that God is with you. But when circumstances aren't that way, we start to feel like we're on the other side of the moon. We start to feel alone and distant and we start asking God, God, where are you? 
Why do you feel so distant? Why would I need you so much right now? I can't, I can't sense that you're with me. And before you think the only picture of God with you is when there's a life of blessing, let me just remind you of the Christmas story. That when Jesus enters, he enters in a time, maybe one of the darkest times of all Israel's history, 400 years of silence. 400 years since a prophet has spoken, since they had heard heard God's calling. You're wondering, has God forgotten us? I mean, twice the length of our country and you have no sense of God's presence with you. You're just this sense of where is God? Where is that Savior he promised us? Where is our Messiah? Because not only is there silence, there's oppression. In fact, you might even say it's almost like this place they're, they're experiencing almost a form of terrorism. Uh, the, the way that the Roman Empire had come in and just brought terror among them, that there was, there was death and there was, there was pain. There was torture and there was all kinds of, of things that were going on that just, just crippled their way of life. So not only is there silence, there's complete, it's, their life is completely filled with pain. And if you've ever felt like there was a dark time, like God has abandoned you, you would have felt it in that time. And they're praying out and asking in some ways, God, when will your salvation come? But instead of raising someone up among them, God does the unthinkable He takes on flesh and he moves into that pain himself. And he comes himself to be the savior. I want you friends to just be reminded of this. You may not sense it or see it. It may be a very dark time. It may feel like a very alone time. You may feel like you're on the other side of the moon. But I want to tell you, it may be very likely that in in that darkness, that God has moved into that situation I don't want you to think that only time that God's presence is there is when, when everything aligns. See, this is so important because then you begin to realize that your career and your future choices don't have to be made in isolation, that you have a God who's with you and a God who is for you. and You don't have to make those choices by yourself. You can look to a God who will guide you. If he is for you and he is with you, then he is the best person to guide you in those decisions. That you realize that... that Pain and isolation and anxiety are never things to be felt alone. But that in those moments, those are ways that, that God whispers to you, come home, come home. You're not supposed to experience this anxiousness by yourself. Come to me, pray to me, turn to me. Let me give you peace. When you pray, you know someone's listening. See, the more you begin to look at the Christmas story, the more you begin to realize he's listening. And sometimes when we pray, he's like, yes, I love that you're praying this. And sometimes he says, no, you don't want that. Trust me. And sometimes he says, keep praying this. This is great. You're not ready for it yet. You're not ready yet, but I want you to keep praying this. And I I want you to keep letting your heart be formed by this. Because when when the time is right, then then, then I'll, I'll lead you you know that when you're praying, God is listening. Why? Because he is with us. He is not far off. Christmas is a time in which we hear God whispering to us to come home, dwell with me. But I want you to see one last thing. And I think it's, I think it's so important that we see that in this moment, we see that God is not unapproachable. That God is not unapproachable. Instead, he invites us to come to him. God is not unapproachable. And isn't it interesting as we think about this? Imagine all the ways that God has appeared to his people leading up to this moment. Fire, 
cloud, whirlwind. Uh, however it was, it was kind of big and dynamic. In fact, there was a, a moment. In fact, we read about in Exodus 19 as they were getting ready to, to, to experience and encounter God at the, at the tent of meeting. They were told, you need two days. It's, it's that big a moment, you're going to need two days to prepare yourself. Two days, set yourself apart. Two days to deal with all your stuff. They washed their clothes. They refrained from sexual intimacy. And then on that third day, Exodus 19, it says, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and there was lightning. And, and with a thick cloud over the mountain, with a loud trumpet blast, everyone in the camp trembled. And Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood there at the foot of the mountain. Think about that. Thunder, lightning. I mean, there's no way. Wouldn't you tremble? I would tremble. I love that the, the, there's a story of a, this girl. She loved this singer. And uh, she would go to all her shows. But her friends would kind of make fun of her because they're like, you love this, you love this singer. You love this performer. You sing her own songs. You, you love to listen to her. You love to sing. And yet you go to all these songs, but you'll never stay after the show to meet her. Why are you so afraid to meet her? And she explained it this way. She said she had built it up in her mind what would happen. She says, what happens if I go to meet her and I tell her what a great fan I am and that I'm a singer as well and I love to sing her songs. And she says to me, oh, that's great. Sing me one of the songs. And she trembled in fear because of that possibility of what would happen. And so she, because of that, she felt that the singer was totally unapproachable. That moment was totally unapproachable and she never sought to meet with that girl All these moments of God kind of terrifying. And yet, here he comes in the form of a baby. Thunder, lightning, whirlwind, fire, baby. I mean, when you saw Leah up here, did you feel like she was threatening to you? Or unapproachable? I mean, you thought maybe if if I approach too fast or I don't get parents' permission, she might like squirm out of my arms. But you felt like, I mean, didn't you want to come up to her and go, ah! I want to nibble on you. I want to smell your baby head. There's something about a child that says something to us about God being, and in this moment, God's saying something to you about that he's approachable. I love Charles Spurgeon says it this way. He says, bow the knee, kiss the son of God, accept him as your savior, For he puts himself into that manger that you may approach him. The throne of Solomon might awe you, but the manger of the son of David invites you to come. Hebrews says it this way, the book of Hebrews, it says that we do not have a high priest, meaning Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. No, he has been one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. He knows where you hurt. He knows what you feel. And so verse 16 says this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help help us in our time of need. God is not unapproachable. He is inviting you to draw near to him. So this morning I want to invite you to something. I want to invite you to this simple response. It's, it's simple, but not easy. Draw near to a God who has drawn near to you. 
Draw near to a God who has drawn near to you. And at Christmas, we are just reminded to what extent God would go to draw near to you. That he is not in the far, high away heaven, unapproachable, unattainable. He has drawn near to you. The psalmist says it this way. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him. Do you hear that? The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Let me explain something to you. Some of you aren't yet Christians. You're you're looking, you're thinking, you're reflecting about this. And I I want you to understand what it means to to begin a life as a Christian. For every single Christian, the, the life with God begins with two things. It begins with letting go and embracing. It's letting go and embracing. The Bible says it this way. It talks about repent and believe. But repentance really is, it's, it's choosing to change your direction. It's choosing to let go of the way you were going, let go of the, the control that you had. And so the life, your life with God begins when you are willing to, to open up your hands and to let go and to surrender and say to God, I, I can't do it myself. I can't save myself. I can't earn my way in, but if I let go, if I turn to you and I am instead, you can't embrace something with closed hands and until you open your hands, until you release those things, until you surrender and say, then you can embrace God. And in that place in which you embrace Jesus, the most amazing thing happens because as much as you think it's about how, how hard you hold on to him, what you realize is it's him grabbing onto you as you open your life to, to really his call. In fact, none of us can come to him until he, he calls us himself. He does everything. He's always first in calling us to himself. And so that life begins as we let go, we turn from sin, we say, no, I don't want that anymore. I don't want control. I don't want to try to save my, and we come to him with open hands. And what we find instead is that he comes and dwells with us. He fills our life, our heart with his very presence, his very spirit. And so your life as a Christian begins in that moment. But those of you who have been Christians, and I know there, uh, there are many of you in here who have begun that life with Jesus or you've been living that life with Jesus. And here's what you know. You know that the life of, of, of the Christian life, the, the, the way to grow in the Christian life is no different. It's about hearing. It's about dwelling with God. It's about hearing God say to you, you know you don't want this in, in your life. And, and I want you to know I don't want that in your life. That what this, is, this thing in your life is bringing you harm. And it's robbing you of the life I have for you. And so can I invite you to let go, to to open up your hands, to release it, to surrender. And many of you know the most dynamic moments of your growth have come by you, instead of holding on to something, opening up your hands and releasing and letting go of it and saying, I hear you. I trust you. I know this is where there's life. And some of you have discovered that that moment comes when you say yes to some way that he's leading and you embrace it in faith, that you hear his call to you and say, you know if you trust me, if you know if you follow me, even though you can't see it, even though you don't know exactly how this is going to play out, if you can just trust me, if you will just embrace this, I promise you I will take you places you never dreamed possible. I will do things in you and through you that will just blow your mind. And you know some of the greatest moments of growth in your life have come when you have embraced his call on your life. 
So let me, let me invite us to pray. And I want to give you a question that I think will help you pray. What would change if you were more confident that God was with you? If this is true, that God is with us and that he's drawing us, he's calling us to come draw near to him. If you were absolutely confident this were true, what would you let go of? And what is he inviting you to let go of? What is he inviting you to embrace by faith? What is he calling to you? What Adam Taylor move is he inviting you to this morning? And so I want you to take a moment and to think and to pray and to ask and to listen. And let me just say for anyone here this morning who's not a, a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the morning for you to begin that life. In the quiet of this moment, in a moment of faith, for you simply to say to him, Lord, this morning I let go of my life and I grab a hold of yours. This morning I want to be your follower. I know I can't save myself. I know, I know I've sinned. And so I'm letting go and I'm, I'm grabbing a hold of you. And I know that you're inviting me to do this because I feel it. My heart's racing. I know this is what you're inviting me to do this morning. And so as we bow in prayer, let me just begin you with a, a word of prayer. Maybe if that's you, you th- these words might just help you get started in this moment of silence, this moment of reflection. You may just want to say, Lord, these are my words. I don't really know how to pray this, but these are words that are, would, would help express my heart. Lord, this morning I'm letting go of my old life and I'm embracing your life. I want to become a follower of you. And so I, I, I place my faith and my trust as best as I know how this morning. I, I, but I know what I'm understanding as best I can in this moment is that you are with us. And I want to be with you. And so begin this life now. Fill my heart with your, your life, your presence. And lead me from this day forward. And for each of us, let's use these next moments just to quietly reflect. What should you let go of? What should you hold on to? God is with us. He's in this time. Use these songs even to extend your prayers and put words to your prayers. So let's pray and we'll sing in these final moments.